All right, everybody. The time has finally come. Off the bench, episode one. And by finally, I mean it's probably been about two days since any of you knew this was coming. But for me, long time coming, getting on a podcast. People have requested it for a year or so. I'm joined by Maddie Kroll. Maddie, how are you doing? I mean, I just feel honored to be here, one, that I get to experience your podcasting debut. I'm also feeling myself because I have this fun little wireless mic, and I just feel like I have so much range. Yeah, that that mic is incredible. That mic is incredible, as I'm sure a lot of the people tuning in know. I make those sports skits like for a living, and my microphone is not nearly as dynamic as that is. Like the setup that I have, I take this mic. I put it on a chair, which I then put that chair on a tray table, and it looks like just an Angry Birds tower ready to fall over. It's actually a disaster, so I'm going to need that link to that mic ASAP so I can stop putting me and my loved ones in danger with the towers that I'm creating. I mean, that is resourceful, though. You know, that's what happens. When when this was not my intended career arc, and it was kind of just build it as it goes— uh, I kind of just had to innovate as we went. So thank you. I mean, it's getting the job done. You're a yeah. professional. Yeah, it works. I mean, I'm I'm excited to be here. I mean, podcasting is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. So it's uh it's cool to be able to do this in a not totally live, but you know, shortly after the game setting and with a co-host who's experienced, it's gonna help. So Ooh, he just threw <laughs> out the experience with that. I mean, I, and the pressure is applied. Right, exactly. Yeah, you have to you have to shine here because I'm gonna be like I'm I'm feeling it out, you know, but. We can get into it. I mean, so the first thing that stood out to me and the first note that I took, I kind of take these notes as the games go along of the biggest things going on, whether it's for me making a skit out of it or anything for heavy that's, you know, more of a straight up video or podcast topic. This kind of works for all of them. Kyle Pitts scored a touchdown. I don't know if you heard. Listen, okay, I did hear. So I was at the Chiefs-Bills game. But all day long, we were tailgating, watching football, all the things. My phone blew up. Everybody around me's phone blew up. People were like, Kyle Pitts scored. And I was just like, what is this? That's so sad. It's the most nondescript thing if you don't have the context. Like if you tell any other football fan that, it's like, oh, yeah, their number one tight end scored a touch. Like what is supposed to be one of the best tight ends in the league scored a touchdown? What's the big deal? The big deal is the man has never scored on American soil in his life, well, in the NFL, and has not scored this season. He is hurting me deeply in fantasy football. I'm glad he got this touchdown. And it's so funny, too, because you see – People who, now that he found the end zone, they're like, oh, Kyle Pitts is back. He's going to be a top five tight end the rest of the season. I'm like, I watched the play. I watched Marcus Mariota not have Kyle Pitts be his first read. And I watched Mm -hmm. Michael Pruitt score first. So I'm not so sure about any of that, but I'm happy that he managed to score finally and relieve some of my pain just a little bit. Listen, when we were calling him the unicorn I didn't expect it to be like a unicorn moment when he scores. Right, like exactly. I was expecting his talent to be the unicorn value there. Why does Arthur Smith hate Kyle Pitts? So it's funny because I've had to remove my fantasy football bias, right? Because the Falcons Ooh. are winning games. They, they beat the 49ers. They've been in a lot of close games. And Arthur Smith, by all accounts, is coaching really, really well. But one thing I, I cannot... You cannot tell me that Kyle Pitts is being used optimally when I see this man lined up with his hand in the dirt half of the plays, and then I see them get to the red zone half the time. He's not even out there. It's one of those things. It's like, yes, they're playing well. Yes, Arthur Smith is a good coach, but yes, he can improve. And I want to just see you have this amazing offensive weapon that you spent the fourth overall pick on in Mm -hmm. the draft two years ago. What 
Why are you doing things with him that you can do with the practice squad tight end that you just brought up, Michael Pruitt, but instead you're letting Pruitt catch I don't know. I'm ranting on Kyle Pitts because this man's frustrated me for six weeks now, but that's where I, I definitely feel like you snuck some of the fantasy ownership in there. Oh, yeah. That's okay. We're going to let that slide. Oh, no, ab- absolutely. I, listen, I'm kind of – it's kind of my thing to be – good at fantasy football. I mean, I've got this, I've been flexing this on my Twitch streams for a That's couple beautiful. years now, right? Beautiful. My name's on here four times in 12 years, four time champion in 12 years this year. I'm one in four. It's not going great. And it's largely Kyle Pitts's fault. So yes, I'm a little salty about it, but I will say it was pretty dope of Arthur Smith to have cold beer waiting for his offensive line when they got off the field. I mean, I mean, yeah. The team I would itself, block the, vibe, for that. The, the vibes are high with the team itself. It's just Kyle Pitts. He's kind of just there. Like he could be anybody, but that was that Falcons game was part of a massive amount of upsets that we saw this week that I could not believe. And, you know, I try to not have like this bias of living in the moment where it's like, Oh, this season feels so chaotic. Well, every season is kind of chaotic. No, I actually believe this is the most chaotic season through six weeks that I've personally seen in my lifetime, because between the upsets this week, you had that one, the Falcons over the 49ers. Then you had the Steelers over the Buccaneers, the Giants over the Ravens, and the Jets over the Packers. All combining to create what, in my opinion, is like three good teams in the NFL right now. There's three teams that we can all agree are good, and that's it. Yes, yes, I agree with you 100%. It's wild to think about, too, because some of the teams that we were all dead set sure were going to be amazing this year have all fallen off. Injuries played a role into that, which is unfortunate. But still, there's some just tough losses. The Ravens loss, that was just gross. Yeah, and, and the Ravens keep choking away leads. I mean, I still think they're a good team, but it's like, and this will be a little teaser for a segment we got coming up, but we had to make our mm-hmm. power rankings, and it's like, okay, in some order at the top three, it's going to be the Bills, the Eagles, and the Chiefs. In some order, right? We kind of all agree. And then it's like, you try and fill out that four and five slot. What do you do? Do you put in a team like the Vikings or the Giants, who it's like, they have the record. They're both five and one. But mm-hmm. are, how convinced are we really that they're good? At the same time, can you put in a three and three team over them, like the Bengals or the Ravens or the 49ers? Like, what do you do? It's been really, really weird this season. It has been weird. But even if you go back, teams like the Ravens, even when the Dolphins have lost, they, they're beating themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my point where I'm just like, okay, you're not what we thought you were and you're going to have to fall back. Right. No, totally agree. I mean, to be honest with you, the Ravens are morphing into my ex-boyfriend. Like they're hot, but they can't finish. And it's getting really frustrating because I'm a semi fan of the Ravens. I'm a part of the Ravens flock and it's just frustrating, you know? Yeah. Well, the Ravens have two good players at this point and one of them is their kicker. So (laughs) <laughs> That's kind of where we're at. It's Lamar and the kicker. And Even Lamar's not playing that great. So it's just, I, I don't know where to go with the Ravens. Um, I, I can't, I, I'll spoiler alert. They're not in my top five for the power rankings, but just trying to figure out who's good. It's like, we're going to have 14 playoff teams. Ooh. Who are they going to be? And I did a little research into last year just to see, again, I wanted to see how much of this season's chaos is like, has it happened in past seasons and we've just forgotten it kind of did last year. I mean, the biggest example I saw was the Cardinals who started six and oh and ended up finishing 11 and six. They, they really dropped off. And then the Panthers who, if you'll remember started three and oh, and people were like, is this like a Super Bowl contest? Sam Darnold's back. They went out and signed uh Stefan Gilmore. They're like, Oh, this is a good team. And then they fell off. But this year it's like, 
I feel like there's like six or seven teams with good records that could fall off and not even make the playoffs. I'm sorry, Giants and Vikings fans, you are included. I feel like the Vikings will at least probably make the playoffs in some respect, but like in terms of how competitive they're going to be, I don't know. I don't know. The upsets were super weird this week. They were weird, but it's hard to count out the Vikings just because of who they have as weapons. Like Justin Jefferson is the man. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I had high hopes for them coming into the year. People would ask me, do I think they can win the NFC North? I'm like, absolutely. The Packers lost Devontae Adams. They've shown that they're kind of in shambles because of it. Uh, not the only issue, but it's, I would say, the biggest issue. Yeah. The Lions have no defense to speak of, even though their offense is explosive. And then, good God, the Bears. Uh, we don't have to talk about the Bears. I can't believe you just said the, like, we're in 2022 and the Lions offense is explosive. It's it's we are in the twilight zone. I'm wow. ready to admit. I believe at least through last week they were the highest scoring team in the league. They're still one of them, but they suffered a ton of injuries. They've been and without St. Brown and quarterback is Jared Goff. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> fascinating in itself. The man who got to the Super Bowl and promptly led his team to score, I believe, three points in that Super Bowl. Thirteen to three, mm. I think that Super Bowl was against the Patriots. So yeah. Weird times we're living in. Um The upsets were super weird. I don't know that I believe in the Steelers, the Giants, the Jets, or the Falcons over the long term. But, hey, as of this week, got to give them their props. Uh, But moving forward, the other big storyline that, as a Patriots fan, I'm focusing on right now, do we have a Patriots quarterback controversy? Is there a controversy in New England? Maddie, do you have initial thoughts on this topic? I mean, I want to say no, but at the same time, we've all heard the rumors about Mac having issues with the Patriots and Bill is frustrated because he hasn't been losing like that. So it's possible. I mean, you want to play the guy who's going to win you games, right? Yeah. And my thing is Bailey Zappi has essentially just looked like Mac Jones. Like I've watching the games. There's nothing different. I mean, even when he takes off his helmet, they look the exact same. Exactly. They look like long lost brothers. And between that, like they're, they're basically both just leading the run game. They're handing it off to either Ramondre Stevenson or Damian Harris and one of the best rushing attacks in the league. And then when it comes to the passing game, they're just they're not throwing the game away. They're doing enough to let the defense and run game carry them. But Zappi, mm-hmm. something about him is just like if you're winning games with the guy, how do you go away from him? You know? Yeah, and he seems to be a little bit more of a risk taker than Mac Jones is. It almost seems like he doesn't overthink as much. But I agree with you. I don't I'll be honest with you. I think that if you put Mac Jones' wife like in a dark room and she had to choose between the two, I'm not sure she could do it. Like that's how similar they are. <laughs> Putting Mac Jones' marital status in in jeopardy would be mm. interesting. But this yeah. This is going to be a fun first episode, huh? I I totally agree. And you know, it's a fun topic as a Patriots fan because I get people like legitimately ask me this question. And my honest answer is no, there's no quarterback controversy this year. This year, I cannot commit to beyond this year. Like I think as soon as Mac Jones is healthy, he's getting that job back because you you can't bail on a guy that fast. It's like the same people who thought, you know, Trey Lance, unfortunately, season ending injury. But if he didn't get hurt, people were like, oh, if he struggles, they're just going to bring Jimmy. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're giving Trey the whole season. You have to give a guy the whole season when you haven't seen that much from him and you've invested a lot in him just to see what it gives you. So if the Patriots, you know, go back to Mac and it ends up being, they fizzle out, they go eight and nine or whatever it is. Don't make the playoffs, which I think was kind of the expected record coming into the year. But if they don't look as good as they did with Bailey, then I think that's something they give a look in the next preseason, but not, not this year. 
and they're paying Mac more. So it makes sense. It's a business yeah. decision also. Yeah. He was, he was a much earlier draft pick, uh, earlier, higher investment. Um, so I don't expect it to be an issue yet, but Bailey, listen, at the very least, um, that eyebrow raising pick of Bailey Zappi in the fourth round after you just took a quarterback in the first, the year prior, mm-hmm. I think we have to give Bill some credit on this one. You know, he has had some draft blunders. That's been the one like knock on him as he reaches a little too hard for players. I mean, they go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he finds he finds these quarterbacks, I guess, at the very least. So, listen, I'm just glad we're out of the Cam Newton era because I can't deal with that dude's hieroglyphics and throwing lawn darts into the dirt every five minutes. So, I will take <laughs> two good quarterbacks that we have to figure out who's going to be the long-term starter over, mm-hmm. you know, limbo, which a lot of other teams are in. Hopefully, Mac learns, though, that – I mean, everybody knows that Bill is no BS – he can't create this off the field drama. He can't, he just has to show up, swallow his pride and go to work. Like that's the only way you're going to be able to continue to start for bill. So hopefully Mac isn't, hopefully it's all just rumors and there's no actual tension going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Cause that's as soon as that happens, you're gone. I mean, we all saw what happened to Jonas gray a few years ago, guy scored four touchdowns against the Colts. And then I don't know if he works at Starbucks. Now he was banished to the shadow realm. The guy has never been heard from again. So as soon as you become a work ethic issue, uh, a controversial like personality in the locker room, you're gone. So hopefully that's not the case with either quarterback or any player on the Patriots. Listen, I am still holding out hope for a, a backdoor wildcard appearance. So we'll see. Keep my fingers crossed for you. Thank you. Uh, moving on. We've got the Panthers who are probably making Poor the Panthers. Most headlines making the most headlines for the wrong reason um woke up today you know started writing out my video for the day for my tiktok account and all that stuff and then i come in and see robbie anderson traded to the arizona cardinals uh basically less than 12 hours after you know he threw his little tantrum on the sideline so little little yeah you know got thrown into the locker room by the wide receivers coach so the Panthers have a lot going on. He seems to be the first of potentially multiple players to be traded. Um, the team in general fired Matt Rule, which that should have happened nine months ago. I don't know why it took so long, but now this is this is the repercussions of that, right? Like you fall apart midseason. Nobody was really expecting them to do anything anyway, but now it's like we're only in week six, about to be week seven, and Panthers fans and NFL fans in general are probably like, yeah, the Panthers are just waiting for this season to be over. So mm-hmm. I don't know where the Panthers go from here. Um, the Robbie Anderson fit in Arizona is interesting now that we know that Marquise Hollywood Marquise. Brown is probably out for potentially the season, but at least the next six weeks or so, uh, depending on the severity of, I believe it's a foot sprain. So that trade does make sense. Robbie I think it's going to be a good fit. I really I, do. Yeah, I think I don't think he's a bad fit. I mean, you've got obviously what you're going to have essentially is two new outside receivers for the Cardinals than what they've had all year because it was Marquise Brown and AJ Green on the outside with either Rondale Moore or Greg Dorch in the slot, whoever you wanted it to be. Now it's Mm going to be Hopkins. And I don't know if Robbie's going to straight up take that job from AJ Green. I feel like AJ Green's kind of made a dust at this point. So I would think he will at the very least, he's going to push for those snaps and then you're going to keep Rondale Moore in there in the slot. I think that we're going to see a little bit more success though. If they utilize Robbie Anderson the way I felt like they should have utilized Hollywood, Hollywood is only good in designed space situations. Mm -hmm. So he's great if you can get him in an open field for him to be able to do things, but it has to be designed that way. He's not a Cooper cup who can go out and just make his own route and Mm -hmm. make something happen out of nothing. But I do feel like Robbie Anderson is going to give a little bit more option. Um, for the play calling. And so hopefully it works out. I mean, 
I feel for the guy. I feel for all the Panthers players. I mean, how many coaches does Baker Mayfield have to go through before he can just like play a couple seasons? Oh, Baker Mayfield is just cursed at this point when it comes to the coaching. I mean, I I understand that Baker himself is not doing himself any favors. You know, he's not no. playing well. He's you know you're not playing well when fans and media and everyone are like when is Sam Darnold coming back? Like when, when are they going to at least be able to make that decision? Because we need, we need something here. Cause yeah. PJ Walker is not the guy. I think we know that nobody's the guy on that Panthers in that Panthers quarterback room right now. They are full steam ahead for uh, CJ Stroud or Bryce young or whoever they prefer next year. But yeah, Baker, whether it's him or the coaching or a combination of the two things have not been smooth for that dude. No, it's, it's been an uphill battle. It's, okay. It's CMC drama. All of the rumors, will he get traded? So the thing with Christian McCaffrey is the contract, right? So Christian McCaffrey, I believe, is owed somewhere around $18 million a year for the next like three or four years. Um, All of the teams that would in theory make the splash play, the win now play for Christian McCaffrey, you look at the cap space, they can't afford them. Now, I know... When it comes to those kind of things, teams usually do figure out a way to make it work. I mean, we've seen the Rams trade for Von Miller midseason when it didn't seem like they had the draft picks nor the cap to do so. So I could see Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, overcoming that hurdle to end up on a different team. And at this point, you know, he just doesn't align with their timeline at all. Like this is the guy that people came into the year worried about durability. It's like, this team is about to be starting from the ground up. Even if Christian McCaffrey stays healthy, this Panthers team isn't going to be competitive for at least two or three years. At that point, regardless how durable you are, he's a running back who's going to be pushing, what, 29, 30 years old by that point? Yeah. He's he's not worth keeping around. They said they want multiple first-round picks. That could be a hurdle as well. I don't know that they get that for McCaffrey. Um, it's been a while since we've seen a big-name running back trade. I can't even recall the last one. Um, so – I'm not sure. I want to say in my gut that he gets traded just because it makes sense for the Panthers timeline. And if he does, um, I wrote down a few teams that I think make sense for him. Obviously you've got the Buffalo bills Um, team that is arguably the best team in the league does not have a superstar running back. Devin Singletary. He's okay. He gets the job done, but with how Josh Allen plays and how Josh Allen runs, you add a dynamic running back like Christian McCaffrey defenses are already spinning when they have to game plan for this guy. Like, I don't know how you like add Christian McCaffrey to that mix. Um, So that's, you know, a lot of the teams I'm going to be suggesting are those, those win now make a splash trade kind of teams. With that said, you've got the chiefs as well. The team that came out on the losing side of that banger game that you were at Um, Mm -hmm. also don't really have a running back. They've got Clyde Edwards, they've got Jarek McKinnon and they've got the rookie Isaiah Pacheco. None of them, all that impressive. Uh, they kind of like rotate in and out evenly. I think at this point, Jarek McKinnon may be the most impressive one of the three. And, uh, you know, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, that late first round pick out of LSU is not panning out. They could have had Jonathan Taylor. That would have been kind of scary. But at, on the flip side of that, like you're talking about a team who's RPO heavy that only focuses on the pass option. <laughs> like right. they don't utilize the run as well as some of the other teams that, that you've listed. So, For sure. um, I think that we can kind of count the Chiefs out, but who knows? Who yeah, knows I think uh, it's one of those things where you just picture how scary a team would be when they're already one of the most lethal offenses in the league. And then you've also got the fact that you can line Christian McCaffrey up wherever the hell you want. You could convert the guy to wide receiver officially if you wanted to, and he'd be just True. fine. So I think it's interesting. Um, and the Chiefs, you, you know, have again, to block there. 
Yeah, and, and the Chiefs, again, I don't, you know, they're not my prediction for a landing spot for McCaffrey, but if there was anybody that would feel like they needed to make a splash trade, it would be them after losing to the Bills. They're, they probably feel outmatched. I mean, granted, it was a close game. It could have gone either way, but the Bills came into Kansas City and won mm-hmm. after last year's, you know, playoff back and forth nonsense that created a literal new overtime rule. So who knows? See if they're compelled to do anything. Um, that's a big trade to have to make, though. Then I had the Baltimore Ravens. And to me, the Baltimore Ravens one is just about, like we were talking about earlier, you have all these teams. You don't really know who's next up, right? Like who's after that top three? Who's good? The Ravens, I think, have the makings to be a relatively competitive team. They just have no weapons outside of Mark Andrews for Lamar Jackson to work with. And I don't know what Lamar Jackson with uh, Christian McCaffrey looks like. I don't know how that plays out. All I know is it's not going to hurt. It's definitely not, not going to hurt. No. And they've been utilizing a fullback in a, ro- in a role that Christian, Christian McCaffrey could be phenomenal in. So exactly. I think that that's a great, a great landing spot. However, I do know that the Ravens have to start focusing on their defense. Like there's so many holes there. So then it comes to priority. But CMC, when healthy, is a phenomenal weapon. It's just yeah. that healthy part that scares me. It's just like in fantasy. Like, do you trust that he's going to be there? Yeah. But then also it's like, why, why is he going to want to put his body on the line for a team that we know wasn't going to win anyway? So there may be a little bit of that going on also. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like the Ravens may feel compelled to do something, but if a big time defensive player, you know, doesn't become available on the, on the trade market before the deadline, then maybe they're like, all right, we'll just help out the offense because otherwise they've got JK Dobbins. who's still not a hundred percent. They had Kenyon Drake become essentially the workhorse this past week. He actually looked okay, but at the end of the day, he's Kenyon Drake. So Christian McCaffrey feels like he could be a obviously dynamic addition to any team, but the Ravens could use him very well. Um, Then I've got the Eagles talk about embarrassment of riches if they were to go after Christian McCaffrey, but they're another team where it's like Miles Sanders is playing pretty well but they've never really had that superstar running back. And granted the Jalen Hurts era has been short so far, but again, you add Jalen, you combine Jalen Hurts with Christian McCaffrey. Jalen Hurts is already a rushing threat himself. How do you defend that? You you don't. And if the Eagles could make that happen, they, unlike the Ravens are loaded on defense. I feel like that pushes them completely over the edge. It's one of those sell out, like we are winning the Super Bowl and you're not stopping us type of plays. 100%. And he would be killer behind that offensive line. That is the most athletic offensive line I've ever seen in my entire life. I would put money on it that I could score a touchdown behind that offensive line just because the blocking is so good. Yeah, you're just going to look and the Red Sea is going to part and you'll be like, oh, I, I go I go that way, that that way. Like they're still going to be blocking yeah. while you're having this conversation. I, that way? Yeah. I okay, mean, cool. I honestly, know. I would probably just hop on Lane Johnson's back and just have him run me straight through. I mean, I don't see a problem with that. I do not see a problem with that whatsoever. I did see a stat, uh, I believe today, that it was like Micah Parsons, anytime he tried to rush the quarterback, if Lane Johnson was in the game, it was not happening. Like the only time Micah Parsons got any sort of penetration or pressure in that game was when Lane Johnson was out. out. If you're going to be running behind or on anybody, Lane Johnson's your guy. Uh, Absolutely. The last last team I had was the Los Angeles Rams, which as of today and yesterday with the Cam Akers news – could make a lot of sense, right? I mean, Cam Akers, they said they're already planning to trade him. They're looking to get him a fresh start. Uh, I don't know what's going on with him exactly. It seems like there's some stuff that they don't necessarily want to tell us, whether it's a, a personal issue or whatever it may be, because they said it's they said it's not a personal issue. They said it's football-related, but it's like, what do you mean by football-related? That he yeah. sucks? Because, I mean, that's what we've seen. We've seen that it's probably not fully – he's not – 
back to the explosiveness level that he was before the injury. But I don't know why you don't just keep him around and hope he gets back to that. I don't know what Cam Akers is wanting out of the situation. All I know is if you replace him with Christian McCaffrey, the Rams are going to be very happy if they could somehow make that happen. And maybe that gets them, that gets that offense moving a little bit. They are not scoring at the clip that we saw them score at last year. No. And their quarterback is a, it's just a guarantee to peg him for an interception once a game. Like he's Mm -hmm. just going to give it to us. But no, I completely agree. It's weird because we saw little highlights of Akers coming back at the end of last season where he was phenomenal. I mean, he looked just as good as he did before he went out. Mm -hmm. So something more is going on than what they're telling us. Um, But I sneaky feel like this is such a good spot. Also, we have to keep in mind that CMC's super hot girlfriend, Olivia Colpo, I don't know Mm -hmm. if I said her last name right. She like works a lot in LA. So I just feel Mm -hmm. like that would be a spot for him. That's enticing. That is interesting. And also, the main hangup that I'm thinking of is the Rams, I don't believe, have a first-round draft pick until about 2053, uh, if my math is right. So I'm not sure if the, Pan- the Panthers may have to uh, concede on that we want two first-round picks thing unless they literally want the rights to a current uh, first-grader or so. So well, actually, <laughs> 2053, yeah, we're, we're talking not even conceived for the next 10 years. So, you know, Panthers, we may have to work some things out. Otherwise, I think it's a good fit. Uh, next, we've got... Our power rankings. I teased them before. The official power rankings after week six. Now, Mm. this was super hard after some long deliberation. I think I've got a reasonable list. So coming in at number five, I've got the San Francisco 49ers. Some people may not like this pick because of my justification for it, which is they are injured. They are injured badly. The reason they lost to the Falcons largely was because half their defense was out, including Nick Bosa, who was obviously the engine of it. They lost Mike McGlinchey during the game. They lost Traverius Ward during the game. Um, Injuries have just ravaged this team. And when it's fully healthy, it is a Super Bowl contender. It's the team that we saw face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl a few years ago. But again, the contentious part of my argument is, yeah, but they've been hurt for the last five years. Why do you expect it to stop? And that's fair. I get it. I just wanted to throw in a team that I think has the makings of being super, super competitive. And none of those injuries, as far as we know right now, are long term for any of their stars. So that's what I've got at number five. Uh, And then number four, (laughs) the New York Giants. He can't even say it with a straight face. (laughs) I hate that I had to do this. I hate it. I looked at this power ranking list for so long, figuring out who to put it four and five. The five I settled on a team that I think is legitimately good. The Giants, I'm not convinced yet. But, you know, the reason I didn't put the Vikings in this slot and the reason why the Vikings are not in my top five is the teams that they've beaten are not super impressive. The Giants, you know, as I looked at their schedule to jog my memory, I was expecting to see – Similar things that I saw with the Vikings, right? They beat the Titans week one, who are at this point probably still going to win the AFC South. Um, They beat the Packers two weeks ago in London, and then they beat the Ravens this week. I know the Packers have had their own problems. I know the Ravens have no defense and have been choking all year. But at a certain point, I got to stop denying five and one when the wins are at least moderately impressive. So the Giants look good. They have an identity with Saquon Barkley being back to form. Brian Dayball obviously has this team buying in. The defense is overperforming. I don't know. This team, I'm not saying, you know, I have them at number four. If they ended up being one of the final four teams remaining, as far meaning they make the NFC championship game, 
I would be completely baffled. So maybe this power ranking doesn't make sense right now. But as of right now, that's where they're at. Like they've been good. I can't, I can't deny it. I can't deny it any longer. Then at, Even number, we tried. Three, at number three, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think this one's obvious. They look like a wagon. They lost to a team that is just a little bit better than they are right now. So I understand it. Um, but they're part of that big three. They're pro- we're probably getting you know an AFC championship game of the Chiefs and the Bills. I don't think anybody's going to be upset about that. New overtime rules are in effect. Let's hope they work. Uh, number two, I've got the Buffalo Bills. Not much explanation needed. Completely loaded. Uh, Josh Allen is playing like he wants that MVP on his trophy on his trophy case yesterday. So yes. I, I don't see anyone in the AFC stopping the Bills. Um, if you've watched this team, there's not much else that needs to be said. And then at number one, I've got the Philadelphia Eagles. They're 6-0. and They are completely loaded on both sides of the ball. Jalen Hurts, I am super happy, has taken what seems to be the next step forward to being just a completely elite quarterback. Um, He's in the MVP conversation without a doubt. So the Eagles, you know, my preseason Super Bowl prediction involved the Eagles. I had the Eagles as my Super Bowl champion. Now, the team I had them facing might have been the Denver Broncos, but we don't have to talk about that. The Eagles one is working out. They look great. They're still undefeated. That's my top five. I think that top five's great. Mine's kind of similar. Um, I'll be honest with you. I've been teetering back and forth on my pick three and four, but I'm just going to stick with what I what I normally went with. Okay, so at five, I have the Giants. Basically the same reasons that you had them. I, I had to do it. I mean, when you're winning, you move up in the rankings. It's just the way it is. And until they lose or they start doing Giants things, I have to keep moving them up in the rankings. And Saquon is just running people over. I am eating crow on Saquon Barkley because I've been, I was talking mad trash. Don't draft him high in fantasy. He's nothing because he hasn't been playing. Like we haven't seen him do this. And now I'm eating my words because he's, he looks phenomenal. By, yeah. or Sorry, Giants can stay at five. Words yeah. are so hard today. That was really rough. It'd be like that. It's getting late here. I mean, I, this podcast will probably come out and it won't be late. But listen, when it's recording right now, as as of right now, it's kind of late. So we, we understand. Mm-hmm. And I've been flying all day. So I appreciate you guys giving me benefit of out. Okay. It's fine. I am at and a little hungover. At four, <laughs> I have the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, three and four I've been going back and forth with. You'll see why. But the Chiefs, I just kind of feel like – it has to be the Patrick Mahomes show or Kelsey Travis Kelsey has to pop off for them to be anything. The defense needs some help, and I just feel like they're not consistent enough. They just kind of hang in there, and I still think that they're a great team, but I'm just not as sold on them, especially after watching them in person yesterday. Um, so that's why. And to be honest with you, I'm, I've already kind of talked myself into changing this, but I missed with it. At number three, I have the Vikings. Oh, wow. All right. That is, that's See? a take, but I can take, listen, the way you talked up their offense and Justin Jefferson before, I can't say I'm super surprised. We all know Justin Jefferson's good. That's not a shock, but the way you were kind of glowing about him, I can't say I'm shocked by this pick, uh-huh. but the rest of the world will be. That so, man is a fantasy football aphrodisiac, Yes, but the Vikings, my thing with the Vikings is they are, it's so ugly to watch them. It's just trash wins, but they win. And there's no rhyme or reason to it other than they stay in and they have the dog fight in them. And I kind of like that. 
And I kind of feel like they're going to continue to be the underdogs, have this chip on their shoulder and feel like they have to outwork everybody. So that's the reason why they're at three. Also, I've seen a lot of improvement from the beginning of the season till now already. And we're only going into week seven. So this is probably going to flop at some point, but that's where we're at now. Um, At number two, I have the Eagles. This is also tough. But the Eagles fully loaded. I completely agree. Both sides of the ball. That offensive line is absolutely amazing. I mean, you're you're talking about the most athletic offensive line in the league that I can remember ever. These guys, they bring them up to the second level. They're throwing out pancakes like it's nothing. And they're able to do whatever they want. On the opposite side of the trenches, on the opposite side of the ball, when they're defense, it's just you can't stop them. They're phenomenal. Um So that's why they're at two. The only reason why they're not one is just because their schedule is a little bit – it's one of the easiest schedules. And the teams that they're playing aren't as great necessarily compared to the teams that my number one, Buffalo Bills, the level they're playing at. You guys, I watched them play in person yesterday, and I still feel like I'm on cloud nine. Josh Allen – is daddy i mean the man is amazing he's hurtling guys he's that last throw the last touchdown to Knox, was the most ballsy throw i've ever seen in my life i feel like he just went for it and he knew i mean he delivered that ball perfectly it was beautiful and he did it with one of his best offensive linemen went out first quarter i believe spencer brown went out um which completely changed and you wouldn't have ever known josh allen just continued to play Man, it's going to be Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl against somebody, probably the Eagles. Yeah, and uh, it, you know if it is the Eagles, I I've seen this sentiment put out there, and I totally agree. I don't know that the United States has the infrastructure to handle a Bills versus Eagles Super Bowl. Uh, no. You've got the two fan bases. One is known for putting themselves through tables every single week, and then the other mm-hmm. one is known. The Eagles are just known for like I don't know, lighting stuff on fire or whatever Eagles fans do. They got to yes. grease poles. Like they're going to have to start greasing poles now, so people don't climb all of them. This is going to be a repeat of Alabama versus Tennessee. Tennessee fans taking the field goal post out of the stadium, like Eagles. Eagles and Bills fans are going to disassemble whichever what the Cardinal Stadium I believe is where the Super Bowl is this year that mm-hmm. stadium's not going to make it out if that's if this is the matchup so for yeah. the sake of the United States I, I don't know that we can let this happen but it would it'd be a hell of a football game I know that I also I feel like there's going to be some sort of prop bet on how many Batman capes are going to be at that game if we make it to the Super Bowl yeah absolutely I mean and then you can have people rig it where it's like they bet on the over and then they just get 50 of their friends to go with Batman capes. So like somebody, I believe somebody bet on if there would be a streaker at a game, if it, whether it was a Super Bowl or another game, and then they were the streaker. So <laughs> I'm like, pretty smart. Not a bad idea, but they could probably- I mean, if you do the math, yeah. It's not yeah, a felony so, or anything, just a little bit of jail time. Uh, it's fine. I mean, you get to touch the field. That's why it's so great. You know, that's why everybody does it. You might it, even but... get tackled by a player. Yeah. Yeah, what, who was it? Bobby Wagner? Somebody laid out a streaker yes. as bad, or not even and a streaker, but some some just a, field somebody running. attacker. Yeah, so <laughs> field attacker. All right. all right, so we've got our Super Bowl matchup as far as we uh, believe. We've got Eagles versus Bills. Let's get into some game picks for next week. Now, Maddie, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the spreads or some certain things for next week, but I made a couple of picks for next week um, as far as covering spreads. Now. Heavy is partnered with FanDuel. You can get a no-sweat first bet, uh, I believe, up to $100. Um, That link is in our TikTok 
profile. It's in our link tree, wherever you can find that. But I know it's on our TikTok profile. No sweat first bet. And if you want to bet any of these, these are the bets that I advocate. The first one being the Packers minus five and a half versus the Commanders. The theme of my picks, or at least two of my picks, are going to be sort of comeback performances, right? And also this line has probably, I'm going to guess that it's moved since I checked it this morning because of the Carson Wentz news. As bad as Carson mm-hmm. Wentz is, I think Taylor Heineke, well, is Taylor Heineke worse? I don't know. The line may have I moved. I don't know that regardless. Taylor Heineke's worse, but. I don't know that he is either. So either way, I'm taking the Packers to cover the spread here. Um, I just think that was embarrassing against the Jets. Um, it was not a close game. It was not a good effort. Aaron Rodgers looks not great, but he has no help. So I get it. Their defense is underperforming. The run game isn't going anywhere. I just think if there's any time for a get right game, it is against the commanders who I firmly believe are going to have a top three draft pick next year. Uh, Really not even a question. It's probably them, the Panthers and the bears right now, in my opinion. Um, So I think it's a good get right. Listen, the Seahawks, I thought they were going to be bad at the beginning of the year, but Gino looks better than Russell Wilson. So I, the Seahawks upgraded at quarterback and got players to do it. You know, I just don't know if that's consistent. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, listen, I don't know if the Geno thing, the Cinderella story, I don't know if it sustains itself over the course of the season, but at the very least, I don't think they'll be a bottom three team because, like I mentioned, the Commanders, the Bears, and the Panthers, and then that's without even mentioning the Texans who just got their first win. So we'll see how that plays out. Panthers literally just told everybody that they're trying to tank the rest of the year. I mean, they didn't have to tell us. Yeah, we could tell, Panthers. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to blow the cover off, but we we could tell. Um, it's so, obvious. Yeah, I think – the Packers have a get-right game against the Commanders. And then along the same lines, you know, kind of uh, beating up on those bottom three teams, I think the Buccaneers will cover the spread minus 10 against the Panthers. Um, Buccaneers also embarrassed by the Steelers. Looked like they were just not ready to play in that game. This was the game that everyone had circled. Like, if you could bank on a blowout, this was the one to bank on because the Steelers have really nothing going on offense. Kenny Pickett has looked okay. Obviously, Mitch Trubisky had to come in in relief in that game anyway. But Kenny Pickett's looked all right. Well. Yeah, and just you know has been having to deal with a poor offensive line. But overall, I don't mind Kenny Pickett in the long term. The headline here was that the Steelers came in missing their entire starting secondary, their top three cornerbacks, and Minka Fitzpatrick. And obviously, T.J. Watt has been out. He's not in the secondary, but he's the motor of that defense. Um, the and the Bucs still couldn't score. The Buccaneers should have been able to do whatever they wanted against this defense. And instead, they kicked four field goals and then scored a late touchdown. Couldn't get the two-point conversion. Um, you, you had know. Brady yelling at his offensive line like yeah. they were divorcing him too. It was right. awful. It, exactly. Absolutely. Like I think he probably locked them in a cellar. And I don't know if he's letting them out until they promise to block better. But Brady's Brady's having a meltdown. Um, you know, Is it good form to bet on a team just because they looked bad the week before? I don't know. I'm going to do it because they're facing the Panthers. So it's like, listen, guys, we had a chance to beat up on this team. We didn't take it. Let's take it this week because this one may somehow be in even more shambles than the one we just faced. This one doesn't know who their head coach or quarterback or running back is going to be next year. They have no idea. They may not know who those things are going to be next week. So this is an opportunity to beat up on them. Divisional game two, perfect opportunity. I think the Bucks covered. I like that pick. I like it a lot. I feel like that's a lock. Yeah. And then, so the 10 points is a lot, but like at the same time, you know, I, I see that as very, like, this could be another, you know, what did the bills, the bills beat the Steelers two weeks ago, what 38 to three, like that's not mm-hmm. out of the realm of possibility at all. So yeah. my last pick is the Titans minus two and a half versus the Colts. The Titans will be coming off a buy and the Colts will be coming off of potentially the only game that they've actually looked good in all year. 
Um, mm-hmm. They beat the Jaguars. They prevented a season sweep by the Jaguars. Imagine that you get swept by the Jags in the regular season. That'd be a tough look for them. So they managed to come out on top in that game. I believe 34, 27 final score, somewhere around that Colts looked decent. Finally without Jonathan Taylor, actually it was Deion Jackson leading the way in that backfield. But I think the Titans coming off the bye, they'll be prepared um, divisional game. And I am just not at a point where I'm trusting the Colts to string together two strong performances. I'm just not. And I think the two and a half point spread is, the right number for me to feel comfortable. All the Titans got to do is win by a field goal and we're good to go. I agree with that. I, I mean, obviously I think the biggest difference was the Colts offensive line actually started playing, which helped a lot. So you're able to get the ball off, but that's going to be a close one. Um, I, I, that's going to be a game that I would bet the under on, but yeah. I, I don't even I know what it is, but right just bet it regardless. Yeah, just the regardless. It could be 15. We're going under. We don't care. 100%. I was trying to see where they sit. So, yeah, and you're you're looking at, like, I'm looking at um, the defensive DVOA, mm-hmm. and I just kind of feel like Henry's going to run all over that. Yeah, Henry got the fresh legs coming off the bye, too. I mean, the Colts just looked rough. I was at that horrific, horrific Broncos-Colts game two weeks ago. Um, the Broncos stadium these days is just uh, about 20 minute walk from where I live. So, you know, decided to go to my first Broncos game and it was awful. And the Colts looked maybe even more awful than the Broncos, even though they ended up winning that game. I, again, that I stadium was about. empty before the fourth quarter. And you know, the funny part is it was actually awful. loud. It was reasonably loud. I didn't notice people leaving because I was looking at the game. We were relatively close to field level. So I was just looking at the field itself. And then when I saw after they're like, yeah, people left before the fourth quarter even ended. I was like, Oh geez. Okay. I mean, I know it was not it was a fun rough. game, but like your team still very much has a chance to win. This is going to go to overtime. That shows you how down bad Broncos fans are and how this city is just like, Hey, but uh, hockey's starting soon. Right. Which yes, it is. Go abs. So that's where poor Russ. who yeah. knew he was the problem in Seattle. Yeah. And you know, he's also dealing with the injury. And at the time that we're recording, he's actually playing right now. I'm looking over. He is 10 for 10 for 116 yards and a touchdown. So maybe Russ is back. Maybe Russ is back. I don't know, but that game regardless looked horrific. So we'll leave that be maybe, maybe this is the fluke, but We can move on to, I put out some feelers on Instagram for some viewer questions. Um, We're going to probably do this every week. So send your questions in. Um, I'll probably post on my story, or you could just DM me whenever some questions for the podcast. And these were my favorite ones. I picked out four of them. So the first one, and Maddie, I think you'll have maybe a strong opinion on this. Do you think Josh Allen has surpassed Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback, or do you think he will in the near future? Hell yes, he has. What more does the man have to do? What more does he have to do? I I totally agree. And if if for no other reason, then he just adds a completely different dynamic than Mahomes does, and that being with his legs. I mean, you see how he runs. He runs fearless. He runs angry. Mahomes doesn't really run at all unless it's given to him. Yes, he's mobile, but he's more mobile like how peak Aaron Rodgers was mobile. It's like they can go. But they're not really gonna unless they absolutely have to. Josh Allen has designed runs. He has mm-hmm. um, off the cuff runs, and when he's doing those runs, he will run through you like these yes. other quarterbacks or over you or over you. Exactly, that hurdle was incredible. And but then you've got these other running quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. They're amazing, incredible runners, and very elusive. But like they're 
avoiding contact as they should because you can get hurt. But Josh Allen, not really afraid of getting hurt. He's a big dude. Like he's not afraid. He will go right into you like a fullback. And that's, I think, just what sets him apart because he and Mahomes have similar, you know. They're both incredibly accurate. Right. Very accurate. Great arm strength. I mean, you can't really say a bad thing about either one. But, like, if you got to split the hairs, I I don't know why Patrick Mahomes would be above Josh Allen anymore other than just the bias of, well, he's been there. He's been above Mm -hmm. him. Why are we going to move him now? Because he's still been playing well. Has the Super Bowl ring. Yeah. So, Josh Allen, I think Josh Allen has taken that next step. I do too. And I also feel like people have to understand that some of those crazy throws that Patrick Mahomes makes is because of bad situations he's gotten himself in. Mm -hmm. When he is mobile and he's navigating outside of the pocket, it's because he's left it too soon. It's never like a great decision. He's usually making things harder on himself. There's a few times where it's not like that, but I mean, there's several times where he's having to throw his arm around really wonky to get a ball out just because he did it to himself. So I just kind of feel like Josh Allen remains calm. He's like you said, he's not scared to get hurt. He's going at like he wants a Super Bowl. He wants the MVP so bad. He's going to do whatever it takes. I don't know what more he could do, but he may he may block some people. I don't know. Maybe that's what it takes to get his MVP. But no, I think that Josh Allen has surpassed Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen's got to start running those Philly specials every week or so, just so he can add some receiving touchdowns. Maybe, you know what he needs to do? He needs to turn into Taysom Hill. That's how he'll do it. If he starts getting some tackles, some fumble recoveries, just do literally everything. Maybe start kicking if you want. Then we can put him above. No, he's already. Josh Allen's going to be on special teams. Right, exactly. I mean, he's, listen, I wouldn't doubt that he'd be elite in that spot as well. The guy can do basically anything. But yeah, I think he has jumped Mahomes, but you're really splitting hairs here. You're really so all right next question and this one's kind of on the fly i haven't thought too much about this one but who is your cinderella story for the super bowl do you have whether it's a super bowl winner or somebody just to get to the super bowl who you think would be sort of a cinderella story you look at the bengals made it last year no one expected them to even though i believe by week six they were four and two they looked like a decent team still nobody was picking them for the super bowl do you have a cinderella for this season i don't know if the eagles count But if you think about it, everybody preseason, nobody expected the Eagles to come Mm. out. People had the Cowboys picked over the Eagles. Yeah. So I feel like it can count. I'm going Eagles. All right. So with you going the Eagles, this is going to actually create what my preseason Super Bowl prediction was. Call me insane and I'm ready to hear it. The Denver Broncos, I think, are the Cinderella Super Bowl pick. They look like they are in absolute shambles, right? Through five weeks, They've looked horrible. Again, recording right now. They look okay right now. Don't know how this game's going to shake out. But they've looked really bad. I was reading today that basically the offense that Nathaniel Hackett brought over was an adjustment for Aaron Rodgers as well. And when they first brought it to Aaron Rodgers, he had sort of the same struggles that Russell Wilson did. He wasn't reaching, you know, 60% completion in hardly any games. He only had one or zero touchdowns in a ton of his first few games. Now that was the season the Packers went 13 and three because they were carried by their defense while Aaron Rodgers was able to figure out the offense along the way. The Broncos, their defense is really good too. They're just not having the same sort of fortune in the win-loss column. They've thrown some things away because of bad coaching with Nathaniel Hackett, but I think Nathaniel Hackett's learning on the fly too. Do I think the Broncos are going to make the Super Bowl? No. I don't. Okay. I was like, no, that's not talking about. That's not my prediction. But if I have to go with a Cinderella that I think at least has a puncher's chance and would be a great story to look back on that I don't think is impossible, I'll go with the Denver Broncos because you can go off of 
Russ has the lat injury that you can just hope he gets better from, right? You've got Mm -hmm. a new quarterback and head coach just trying to mesh well together. You've got a head coach who needs to learn to not settle for a 64-yard field goal rather than let your $250 million quarterback throw like a five-yard pass to get Mm -hmm. the first down. He's learning too. He's never been a head coach before. So there's there's a non-zero chance that things line up and they figure it out. That's all I'm saying. We'll, we'll let you have it. I think that there's something in the air in Colorado. They're pumping you full of something, but we're going to let it slide. <laughs> pumping me. Yeah, full of altitude. I tried to run the other day. I, when I was back in Connecticut, I moved here three weeks ago. When I lived in Connecticut my whole life, I would run a lot, a couple miles, three, four miles. I try to run half a mile here. I feel like I'm going to die. I'm like, so like, maybe it is going in my head. I don't know. I'm feeling lightheaded right now, actually. But maybe that's happening to Russ too. Maybe Russ needs some time to acclimate. Exactly. He goes from Seahawks to 5,280 feet above sea level. You can't really. It, it happens. I get it. He's probably confused. But we'll move on to Jimmy G, one of the most contentious players at the quarterback position for the last few years. Is Jimmy G the real deal, or is he overrated slash underrated? Maddie, what are your opinions on Jimmy G, just overall? I feel like putting it in like dating terms, he's like the perfect sneaky link. So you don't want to claim him all the time, right? You don't want to have to depend on him. But when you're in a sticky situation and you need somebody, you turn to hot Jimmy G. That's about where the cap is. I I mean, he's a great player. Obviously, we know that he can get to the Super Bowl. He can lead things. He is a game-managing quarterback. He's not going to do anything so crazy to screw things up all the time. But he's not going to do anything crazy to win you the game either, if that makes sense. But I honestly put him on the same level level as Matt Stafford. So take that for what it's worth. Okay, that's interesting. I think at this stage of his career, Matt Stafford, that's potentially a more apt comparison because he's not Mm -hmm. what he was at his peak where he's going to completely sling it all over the field. So I get that. To me, Jimmy G is – let me – Let me preface this by saying Jimmy G is better than Cooper Rush. I don't think that's a question, but I think it's sort of the same thing with the winning bias, right? If a team is winning games and they have a certain quarterback while they are winning those games, people are like, well, they got to keep that quarterback. That quarterback is part of it. Some people go as far as to say that quarterback is the reason for it. No, I understand the 49ers got to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. And for the most part, he played well that year. But the reason they drafted Trey Lance and the reason they're trying to move on to Trey Lance is because of the upside of him. And they're like, Jimmy G is just so capped. And if you have Jimmy G as your quarterback, everything around him has to be so perfect for you to be a Mm -hmm. contender that it's almost not worth it. You want a quarterback like, like a Lamar Jackson, who when everything else on your roster is bad, whether it's your fault or not, whether it happens because of injuries that the 49ers are dealing with constantly, you want a guy that can make some plays for you, win a game by himself, make some plays for you. And I just, Jimmy G's not that guy. I I don't know whether he's overrated or underrated at this point, because I don't know what the public perception of him is. I feel like it's kind mm-hmm. of watered down since the Super Bowl year where people were like, oh, he might be a franchise guy, which I never believed. He is... I think exactly like you said, a game-managing quarterback. He'll be in the league a long time. He's probably going to be a starter for a long time because he's an upgrade over a lot of starting quarterbacks now. You looked at how bad Baker Mayfield has been, and I think he's an upgrade over even guys like Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, David Mills, all all these bottom-barrel teams, Justin Fields, who I still like him, but he's been playing terrible. So, yeah, I don't think think Jimmy G is the real deal. Um, 
I think he's just kind of he's mid. He's I feel best. like he's mid. That's perfect. I agree. I think that he's mid. So Jimmy's just he's all right. And he's all right. right now he's getting a little bit of a a little bit of benefit of the doubt just because obviously they're hurting on defense as well. So and technically they lost a running back and wide receiver because with Debo, if you look at him, you're going to have to pay him more. And right. we've seen that that's been drastically different. So I think that they're just figuring things out. So I think Jimmy G gets a little bit more of a pass. Yeah. I'll be interested to see where Jimmy G is at next year, because coming into this year, it was obviously before the Trey Lance injury, there was just no real spot for him to go. That was why no one traded for him. It wasn't because he was this awful quarterback that people were like, Oh, He's definitely not an upgrade for us. You had so many teams that they just had to see what they had in their quarterbacks. Like the Panthers traded for Baker. They didn't know that he was going to be terrible and they needed to see maybe he would be all right. You had the Giants with Daniel Jones. That was a big one um, in the offseason. They were like, they should go for Jimmy G. They're retooling everything else. Daniel Jones isn't the guy. Well, they had to see if Daniel Jones was the guy. And Jones, he's not playing bad. I don't know that he's the answer, but he's not playing bad. So a lot of these teams that just needed to play the season out to see what they wanted to do with the incumbent quarterback before they go get Jimmy. I think Jimmy's going to have a lot more landing spots next year. I agree. And then the final question from T.E. Whitlock 5. Is Carson Wentz bad or terrible? <laughs> This was probably my favorite question. Maddie, is Carson Wentz bad or is Carson Wentz terrible? Carson Wentz is terrible. Awful. No good. Trash. I I have no more adjectives. He's bad. Yeah. He's no, so bad. He's rough. I mean, what, 20, 30 minutes ago, we were talking about whether Taylor Heineke was an upgrade or a downgrade from Carson Wentz, and we did not have a definitive answer for that. So – I'm out here looking at, you know, I'm I'm a little struggling at the quarterback position in fantasy football this year, and I'm looking at, you know, the waiver wire quarterbacks. I see Carson Wentz's name. I'm like, mm -mm. now that I hear Taylor Heineke starting, I'm like, maybe. I, I would stream Taylor Heineke. I'm not streaming Carson Wentz. There's no shot. But Heineke might, Heineke might be an upgrade over Wentz. I just think Wentz, some of the decisions you see that dude make are just, what are They're you looking at? Awful. Like, They're awful. They're awful. And it's so strange to think that this is a guy that was the MVP front runner in what, 2017, 2018, whatever it was. And then he got hurt and Nick Foles led him to the Super Bowl. It's like, where did that guy go? I, I understand you got hurt. Maybe you never fully got back, but it's like, it's a quarterback getting injured. It's not like it's a running back who tears his Achilles and doesn't have that explosiveness anymore. It's a quarterback. And it's almost like the injury like he like tore his yips tendon. Like he's just got the eternal yips. And I, it's very it's weird to see a glass castle. You can't blow on him without something shattering. Yeah. It's like, you know, you've got the injuries, you got the bad decision-making and then you got Ron Rivera freaking out the other day, defending Carson Wentz. And I'm like, Ron, I mean, maybe take a step back. Cause you're not exactly the pinnacle of head coaching either right now. Yeah. So hold your breath, bud. No, yeah. Carson Wentz is awful. The other thing is if you've, if you look back at Carson Wentz career, the dire mistakes that he makes are the same mistakes that he's made for the past four years. Mm -hmm. I mean, the man, he's regressed even a little bit, I feel like. But most quarterbacks make subtle improvements at the bare minimum. And he's gone backwards. Like, what do you do with that? And now he's behind an even shittier offensive line. Mm -hmm. I I still feel like the Colt – I'm sorry. I still feel like the Eagles fan base – hates him less than that offensive line does. They don't even want to protect him at this point. Yeah, I would agree. And it's you expect more from him every time he goes to a new team. 
And every time he disappoints, it's like people are just hoping for this old Carson Wentz to like reemerge like a Phoenix rising from the edge. It's like that, that Phoenix is long dead. My friends, I'm sorry, Carson Wentz. I'm curious to see if this is his last opportunity for now at at a starting job, or if he's going to have to take kind of the Mitch Trubisky route of you go back up somewhere and then hope a starting job emerges in the next couple of years. Cause what he's shown us so far is he does not need or deserve a starting. Imagine a fan base after what they've seen Carson Wentz do on the Colts and the commanders. Imagine a fan base seeing Carson Wentz coming in and being their new quarterback. That ticket sales are not going to be great. I can tell you that. No, no, I, I just, Carson Wentz, and he's one of those guys that's so happy-go-lucky. It's annoying. Like, bro, you just cost the cost us the game. Like, why are why are you saying it's all right? Like, no, be upset, no. show some emotion, throw something. I don't know. Yeah, it's Do not better. It's not okay. You're throwing your career away, my man. Like you and your Prince Harry looking. I mean, I'm just talking about it. Prince Harry. But that's that's where we're at with Carson Wentz. That's a great question. So thank you, T.E. Whitlock. More questions like that from all of you. We love debating whether guys are bad or terrible because it is a valid debate i mean some people may think he's only bad if you think he's good though please stop listening to this podcast because i'm not sure this is going to be the content for you but maddie <laughs> any closing thoughts as we wrap up the first episode of off the bench what are, what are you feeling how are you feeling in your hotel room with your mobile microphone what do you think of episode one you know what this has been so much fun i knew that it was going to be fun but i've been so excited for this um I was actually looking forward to this all day, even when I was at the Bills game yesterday, which was phenomenal. But to be honest with you, I'm coming off of a high from that. I feel like I could go crush a table. I could jump on a table. I'm going to go cheer on the Boston Celtics tomorrow. I'm feeling good. I'm glad that you let me come on and hang out with you. This was so much fun. Of course. And I will happily have you back every episode from here on out, if you will uh, do me the honor of doing so. But yeah, basketball season is almost, that's right. It starts tomorrow, right? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Man, football is too much in the thick of it right now for me to think about basketball. But I am a diehard Nuggets fan recently moved to Denver, so I'm about to be very irresponsible with basketball tickets. So I'm going to have to start thinking about that. You go basketball during the week, football on the weekends. How do you feel your first podcast went? I think it went pretty well. It feel, it's funny. It feels similar to my Twitch streams that I do like every Sunday mm-hmm. where you, I'm just talking to the chat and answering their questions about fantasy football or the NFL in general, except I'm talking to you instead. So it is nice to actually have a voice coming through rather than just hearing my own self talk the entire time and reading text. So no, and I it's think hard to read comments. It is hard. They go so fast sometimes. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And then there's get there's people that are like, hey, rate my fantasy team. And you get like nine of those messages in a row. And all I see are a thousand names of football players. I'm like, I'm reading these names. I'm not really absorbing them. I don't know what to tell you because I'm dizzy. So <laughs> that that's where we're at. No, I think the first episode went well and I am excited to keep it going. Me too. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in to the first ever episode of Off the Bench. I hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week. Same day, same time, as far as I know, reviewing whatever nonsense happens in the NFL. I feel like it can't be as ridiculous as it was this week, but we will see. So for Maddie Kroll, I'm Brandon Carney, and we will see you next week.